0: me from
1: shine out of the ashes we rise there's no one some power i got i got
2: Hallelujah
1: Heaven comes to fight for me I'm gonna sing In the middle of the storm Louder and louder You're gonna hear my praises roar Up from the ashes
2: Hope will
1: arise Death is defeat is alive I raise a hallelujah with everything inside of me I raise a hallelujah I raise a hallelujah in the middle of the mystery, I raise a hallelujah, fear you lost your hold on me. In the middle of the storm, louder and louder, you're gonna hear my praises roar. Up from the ashes, hope will arise. Death is defeat. middle of a storm louder and louder you're gonna hear my praises roar up from the ashes hope will arise Hallelujah I raise a Hallelujah. So Oh! always by my side the one who reigns forever he is a friend of mine the god of angel armies is always by my side i know who goes before me i know who stands behind the god of angel armies is always by my side so we love could not, not be yours.
3: Lord that we have brand new lives now Father I just lift up our families to you Lord and I pray the enemy would be defeated Lord as we fight for them in prayer and in song Lord we pray for our children and our marriages and our grandchildren Lord that we would be united in you and that we would serve you in a united way Lord, that our children would know you, that they would grow up knowing you, Lord, in this world we live in now, Lord, that sometimes we just can't even believe the things that happen, Lord. Protect them, watch over them, Lord, and help us to raise them in a good way, in a godly way, in a loving way. We pray for your grace, Lord, because it's not easy always. We pray that you would give us grace to love each other and to forgive each other and to just try again and never give up. Because that's not your will for us to just give up. Thank you, Lord, that we have a brand new start every single day to live and walk for you and to do as you call us to do, Lord. Thank you, Lord pray for your anointing on the preaching today, Lord, that you would give Pastor Rory your heart for us, that you would bless the children, Lord, and the children's ministries, Lord. Open their eyes to you and to truth, Lord, and to what this really means, what this really is all about. We Thank you, Lord. We thank you for the good work that you're doing. Even when we don't see you working, even when we think you're not working, you, you are still working. You have not given up on us. You have not finished, and he who began a good work will bring it to completion. We thank you for that. In your name we pray, amen.
4: Amen and amen. Thank you, Kathy. Thank you, worship team. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to everybody joining us in in person and here in the house, and welcome to everybody joining us online, wherever you are. We are so glad that you have chosen to worship the Lord Jesus Christ in spirit and in truth here at New Promise Church. Today is a a special day. Uh, Our youth missions team is on their way, thank you guys, off to Boston, Massachusetts. They got off bright and early this morning. I had the privilege of praying with them and seeing them off as they, they took off this morning, and uh, you can definitely tell who the morning people are and who are those who haven't totally woken up yet uh, at that time in the morning, and uh, they're probably going to catch up on the rest of their sleep in the van as they're uh, traveling in uh, two vans, and by the way, they're somewhere in New York State right now. Uh, So they should be in Boston somewhere around 3 o'clock this afternoon. And we prayed uh, for them that God would would not just bless them and protect them, because we want God to do that absolutely. But we also want God to use them in extraordinary ways that they haven't even thought of yet. And so uh, we have little cards that are out. In fact, I think I have the cards somewhere here. We have cards out at the welcome desk in the lobby, little prayer cards that have all of the team members' pictures on them. And just a reminder that just says, pray for the Boston trip this week. They'll be gone all week. They'll be back late next Saturday night. And then in two weeks, We will have them up here and have uh, Pastor Nick and the missions team give a full report with pictures, video, everything about the extraordinary things that God has done in them and through them as they're working with Next Step Ministries and they're working on renovating a church that was bought and it's being renovated to be a Christian Children's Ministry Center, a Boys and Girls Club, in the Boston area. And so we're going to pray for them again in just a few minutes, but I also wanted to let you know that out in the uh, lobby our uh, June and July bulletins are out at the welcome desk as well. Um, During the summer we're not going to do monthly bulletins just because things kind of slow down and there's not as much To uh, advertise every month so we're doing June and July uh, for now and then when we get into August we'll release uh, September's bulletin and of course the virtual bulletins will still be going out they should be scheduled to go out this week as well most everything is on the hard copy bulletin but you are going to see in the virtual bulletin a few extra things that the hard copy just doesn't have enough room uh, to put it on and, and stuff like that So we're excited about what today is going to be and what it is and excited that you are here this morning. We're going to continue in our series called Fight for Your Families, uh, a series that we started on Mother's Day and we're going to conclude next week. And the reason we're in Fight for Your Families is because there's so much fighting against the family in society and spiritually. And so we want to heed Nehemiah's words to Israel. We want to heed God saying that to us today to know that God is awesome. Don't be afraid of anything and fight for your families in Jesus' name. So, as we turn our hearts towards home and our eyes towards God's Word, I'm going to ask you to turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Now, as you turn there, I want to tell you something that we had a little bit of a technical difficulty before the first service this morning. And so, there's only one slide up on the screen this morning. Uh, We kind of lost the rest of them, and we don't know what happened. They were there uh, on Thursday, but now they're not. And so, this is the only screen that you're going to see. So if you're wondering, as we normally go through things, and we have about nine screens up there, and the scripture's up on the screens, that's not going to happen this morning, so it's not the fault of the loft or anything. Uh, they actually have a very easy job this morning because it's just keep the camera on me, and uh, this will be on the screen for the whole service. But we got God's Word. We got the hard copy. And so when we get to God's Word in Ephesians 4, we're just going to read together out of the Bible. Amen? Amen? Well, let's pray as we go to God's Word this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Word, because it is always a lamp to our feet, and it is always a light to our path. And, Father, we ask this morning that as our hearts turn towards home, as our eyes turn towards your Word, that, Father, you will just anoint my lips to preach, anoint our ears to hear, our minds to understand, and our hearts to receive— everything that you have for us this morning because it could chart the course the way we're going to live this next week of our lives with you and with the people around us and so we pray your blessing on your word now in Jesus name and everybody said Amen, amen. And by the way, uh, this morning uh, our our traveling team is watching us online as they're traveling uh, right now. They're watching us through the, our live stream on Facebook, so uh, they're following along with us uh, this morning as well. Now, f- we t- we started. Uh, f- Five weeks ago talking about fight for our families Because there's so much fighting against our families In society and spiritually and everything And we started with Mother's Day And talking about the wonder woman in you And how mothers are spiritually, socially strong And everything and how you're so needed in our families Then we talked about valuing the marriage relationship And we talked about valuing the parent-child relationship Then we talked about valuing the generations That's within families From grandchild to, to grandparent Next week, we're going to be concluding the series, landing the series, talking about the value of... Uh, uh, our fathers in our families. Uh, Can you guys turn on, go to preaching mode. The lights are a little bit dark, and I want people in-house to be able to see their Bibles uh, this morning when we get there. And so next week we're going to talk about how we honor God by honoring our fathers in our families. This week what I want to talk about is sibling, thank you, sibling rivalry. Dealing with sibling rivalries in our families. Why? Why? because they're going to happen from time to time. They're going to be pe- uh, periodic uh, occurrences from time to time in our individual families and in the family of God. Remember Paul in Ephesians chapter 2:19 calls the church the family of God. And so in both individual families and in the collective family of God, we're going to deal with time to time sibling rivalries, those little conflicts that kind of, blow up in everything every now and then, that stem from our unique individualities, our differences in personalities, perspectives and preferences, and our insecurities. You know, everybody has these going on in their life all the time. We are all brothers and sisters in families and in Christ Jesus. And we're all uniquely different. We're distinctly different. We all are different in the way we look at life and the things we prefer, and we all from time to time struggle against our own insecurities. Now, I know as you grow up in life, things kind of level off, and you hopefully aren't as insecure when you're a little bit older than life than you are when you're just starting out and you're just figuring things out and everything. But even in older people, because we're all human beings, and we can all, and we are all imperfect. We all struggle from time to time with insecurities. Now, these things are personal differences and perspectives and preferences and personalities and insecurities. They all get magnified when we from time to time run into co- conflicts and contentions called sibling rivalries. Now, in these times of sibling rivalries, what most don't realize is the damage that it does when we fight with each other Instead of fighting for each other I mean, ultimately it's Satan who's behind sibling rivalries uh, As we're going to see in a few minutes And it's Satan who actually delights over sibling rivalries Because Satan is always trying to divide that which God is bringing together Or has brought together And we know from what Jesus said in John chapter 10 That Satan has come to steal, kill, and destroy What? Our lives, our love our unity, and our relationships with God and with each other. Satan is so miserable, he lives literally to make other people eternally miserable. He lives to destroy the relationships within our families, within our church, within our countries, and with our community by revving up petty jealousies and insecurities that kind of swell up into being sibling rivalries. It's like chipping at a block of ice. I was having a conversation with somebody recently and we were talking about a block of ice and I'm going to use the same illustration in this context. You've all seen these lovely ice sculptures that people make and everything if they, they work with ice and stuff and they can do some beautiful things, right? As they chip away at certain blocks of ice and they make these beautiful designs and everything. Well, sibling rivalries is kind of like doing that except you don't know what you're doing and you don't realize you're doing it. Every little argument you have, arguing over stupid stuff, every little argument you have over sibling rivalries, being jealous of each other, things like that. You know, different preferences, uh, preferences, perspectives, things like that. Every little time you have that kind of an argument and sibling rivalries, it's like taking a hammer and, and a chisel and you're just chopping a little piece of that ice off. And just chopping a little more off here, a little more off there, a little more off there, through these petty jealousies, insecurities, sibling rivalries that happens over time is you'll get to what's called a critical mass point in that block of ice where from over time you've chipped away such little pieces of ice that eventually you'll get closer to the core of that ice block. And what happens when you get closer to the core of the ice block is the ice starts melting faster and then all of a sudden you're gonna have that one little last chip and the block of ice will just break into, or break into several pieces. That's the dangerous effects, the damage that's done over time with sibling rivalries whether that's in your family an individual family or within the family of god it's these little sibling rivalries that over time if you don't deal with them god's way properly they're going to cause damage in your life and in your relationships and in the relationships within the family of god and at that point it's only satan who wins everybody else has lost I I think to myself—somebody mentioned this between uh, the services this morning, and they're bang on— I think to myself how critical race theory is a great illustration of trying to rev up sibling rivalries. Let's rev up these differences that that we magnify in in an unjust, inaccurately historic way to simply cause division within our country and division within our communities. So we chip at each other with these hammers and chisels so much that eventually we break the country, we break the community through sibling rivalries. Who's behind all of that? I believe Satan is behind all of that. Yes, even in our country, in our communities, in our church, and in our families, because Satan exists to steal, kill, and destroy that which God has brought together. And he does it through ongoing sibling rivalries. Now, in the Old Testament, we have four examples of sibling rivalries, all in the book of Genesis and obviously all within families. The first one starts off with Cain and Abel in Genesis chapter 4. Now, in Genesis chapter 3 was the, the first time Adam and Eve sinned. Adam and Eve sinned against God, and then it's not that amazing that you realize just one chapter later in their children's generation, all of a sudden you've got sibling rivalry that swells up between Cain and Abel. The reason being is that Cain was insecure and jealous of the fact that God accepted Abel's offering but wasn't accepting of his own offering. That's because Abel was doing it God's way, the way God prescribed it to be done, and Cain was doing his own thing. And so instead of adjusting the way he was doing his offering to do it the way God said to do it, he got jealous of his brother Abel, who was doing it the way God said to do it. And Cain in his insecurity and in his jealousy and his in his overblowing sibling rivalry rises up one day and he kills his brother Abel It's not that far-fetched to realize that one chapter after sin entered the world We had the first murder in human history and it resulted out of sibling rivalry boiling over into murder now Hopefully, none of you will ever know that in your families or in your lives. I know from watching the news from time to time, sometimes we have seen that in other people's family, and that's horrible and everything, but thankfully, I don't think that's the norm. So hopefully, you'll never actually see sibling rivalry uh, bubbling up and boiling over into actual physical murder. But Jesus did say in Matthew chapter 5 that we have to be careful that we don't murder each other with our mouths. We have to be careful in what we say to one another because words can kill a relationship. Words can kill a relationship. Words can do more damage than what we think they can do because once your words get out, it's like toothpaste. The toothpaste is out of the tube. You can't put toothpaste back in the tube. You can't really take back the words you say. You can apologize, and hopefully there'll be forgiveness, but you don't know. You can't can't, um, depend on that. You can't um, take that for granted, so to speak. And so Jesus said to be careful about murdering with our mouths out of petty jealousies, insecurities, and sibling rivalries. Now, the next example of sibling rivalry is one you will all readily recognize. It's still going on today, and it's between Isaac and Ishmael. Isaac and Ishmael were half brothers, step brothers to one another. They had Abraham as the common denominator, father between the two of them. Isaac was the uh, Isaac's mother was Sarah, and uh, Ishmael's mother was uh, Hagar. And Isaac was the son of the promised covenant, and Ishmael was the one who got kicked to the curb when he became inconvenient. Now I understand about Israel and praying for the peace of Jerusalem and the difference between the Jewish people of covenant and and the Arab people and they descend through Esau and through Ishmael and everything. I understand that. and I pray for the peace of Jerusalem and everything too. But you have to be honest when you look at things in scripture. Isaac and Sarah and and Abraham, they got the long end of the stick. And Hagar and Ishmael, they truly did get an unjust short end of the stick because all they were doing was doing what Abraham and Sarah said to do until Sarah got upset with Hagar. Hagar got upset with Sarah, so there's a rivalry going between those two women, and then there was a rivalry going between Ishmael and Isaac, as Ishmael started making fun of Isaac, as Ishmael was the older brother, Isaac was the younger brother, and pretty soon when it became so rough and so inconvenient, That instead of dealing with it properly and appropriately, Sarah told Abraham, kick them to the curb, and Abraham kicked them to the curb. And God saw that, and in Genesis 21, God went to Hagar and went to Ishmael and said, I'm still going to take care of you too. I'm going to bless you too, because God saw the injustice that had been done to them. Sibling rivalry that blew up into generations and centuries of the Middle East peace crisis that we're still dealing with today. Today because of sibling rivalry. Uh, the next sibling rivalry example would be Jacob versus Esau in Genesis 27. One guy was a liar and a schemer. The other guy was lazy and sold his birthright for a bowl of soup. One guy saw what he want, wanted, went after his brother to get it, got it from his brother. His brother realized what had happened after the fact and felt ripped off. Sibling rivalry that came out of petty jealousies and insecurities, that, that blew up into, if you read about the story of Jacob and Esau from that point on, they never really do get together again. Two brothers that never really reconcile and get it back together again because of petty jealousies and insecurities that boiled over into sibling rivalries. And then the next example would be Rachel and Leah in Genesis 29. Rachel was the one who was loved. Leah was the one who was not so much loved. Leah was the one who was very fruitful. Rachel was the one who had a hard time having babies. She wasn't so much all that fruitful. And as you read their story, there's petty jealousies and and, and insecurities that boil over into sibling rivalry that include the concubines that were included in in Jacob, Rachel, and Leah's uh, story. You see, all of these sibling rivalries, in fact, all sibling rivalries, They come from petty jealousies and insecurities within ourselves. And then they boil up and they boil over into these family fights. sibling rivalries, jealousies, and insecurities. They sound like this. Well, how come he can do what I can't do? How come he's got something that I don't got? I want what he's got. I want what she's got. I'm going to go get what she's got. How come I can't have what she's got? You see, sibling rivalries, petty insecurities and jealousies, they're all selfish things about me. It's when me becomes more important than the we. When the man or woman who looks back at us in the mirror, or the, or the young boy or the young girl who looks back at us in the mirror, all of a sudden, we're like, oh, we're being left out, we're being left behind. We don't got what they got, and I want what they want, and I, and I want to get what they got. How come I can't have—I mean, how many times have you as parents— Ever heard your chill? I can remember this in my family growing up. I can remember there was some sibling rivalry between my older brother and me. Because I remember saying to mom and dad, Well, how come I can't do what he does? And I remember him saying to my mom and dad, Well, how come you treat him better than you treat me? Because we were about 10 years apart. And of course the answer is, well, we treat him differently than you because he's 10 years younger than you. We're not going to treat him the same way we treat you. And they would look at me and say, you can't do what Rocky's doing because you're only 10 years old. He's 20 years old. Of course you can't do at 10 years old what a 20-year-old can do. You couldn't handle it or this, that, or the other thing, right? I actually remember, it's like, how come I can't drive? I'd like to drive. Can't, just let me drive down the street a little bit. You know, I was like 10, 12 years old at the time. And there was sibling rivalry that happened from petty jealousies and personal insecurities that, if left unchecked and, and not taken care of, they, they just lead to, um, to division in families. Now, not being happy, secure, or content within ourselves is the foundation of sibling rivalries. Not being content and secure. And happy within ourselves and who we are and where we're at in life, whenever we are there in life, that's the foundation of petty jealousies, insecurities, and sibling rivalries. And that's something that we all must fight against. Why? Because we're all vulnerable to it. At any point in time in our lives, either within our families or within the family of God, we can all be jealous of one another. We can all be insecure of our, within ourselves. And these things can all boil up into sibling rivalries that can, can fight against us and fight against the families, be it our individual families or the family of God. These are things that we all must fight against together, but they're all within each one of us. The way I know that is what James ch- says in James chapter 4, verse 1. James 4, verse 1, it says, What causes quarrels, arguments, and fights among you? Is it, it is the selfish desires that are continually at war within you. Some versions will say it is uh, those selfish desires that continually rage within you. So it's what's going on within us that causes the sibling rivalries we have from time to time with the people around us. Think of it this way. When you're peaceful, happy, and content, and secure in life, and where you're at and what's going on, there tends to be peace around you, right? Well, when you're not peaceful, happy, and content, and secure in where you're at in life, haven't you noticed there tends to be problems around you in those times? And many times we like to blame the other people around us Oh, it's their fault and everything else But James, God through the book of James He says, no, it's what's within you Raging war against you In your petty jealousies and in your insecurities That bubble up and boil over into um, uh, uh, Sibling rivalries I mean, think about this When you're upset at something when you act a certain way negatively towards something or react ne- negatively towards something. It comes from whatever's going on inside of you, raging war within the members of your own body, within your mind, your heart, your emotions, things like, things like that. Paul in Galatians chapter 5 says that that's the difference between living according to the nature of the flesh, which is sinful, and it's all about selfish, it's all about me or living according to the nature of the Spirit of God, which is all about God and all about other people around us. And in fact, it culminates in Galatians chapter 5 with nine fruits of the Spirit that have everything to do with the way we treat other people around us and how we are secure, content, and happy, and fulfilled in ourselves when we're living off of and allowing the fruit of the Spirit to blossom out of our lives. So as parents and as pastors, we need to guard against and, and, and uh, guard against favoritism. As parents and pastors, we need to love everybody equally and we need to embrace everybody equally and stuff. And we need to guard against favoritism. But also, listen to this, as individual people, we also need to guard against petty jealousies and insecurities that cause rivalries. Ephesians will say it this way we need to grow up and mature in christ jesus so we all can be everything that god has meant us and created us to be as a body of believers as the family of god you know i i I like the book of ephesians i love the book of ephesians it is truly one of my favorite books in the bible because it's all about the power of unity and the power of unity is systemic from chapters 1 to chapter 6, which chapter 6 is the culmination, so follow this train of thought. The power of unity in chapter 1 of the book of Ephesians is all about being fully convinced and fully know how you are fully united to God through Christ Jesus. It will use wording in chapter 1 that you are seated with Christ in heavenly places. Present tense wording. Even though you are here on earth today, it is as if you are present tense right now, seated with Christ in heavenly places, having power and authority over spiritual forces in your life right now. And you are not just united to Christ, but then as it goes on from chapters 2, 3, and 4, you are united through Christ to the people around you called the family of God, the church. And then in chapters 5 and 6, that unity that you share with Christ and you share with the church, the family of God, you also share with your husband and with your wife. You share the power of that unity together as it fulfills itself and shows itself in mutual love, respect, support, and unity as husband and wife. Loving each other just like how God loves the church and how the church is supposed to love God. And then you go into chapters 5, going into first part of 6. It's about family unity, being united together as the family of God within the church community, family of God. And then there's a little section about employers and employees, and it's all for the purpose of chapter 6, the power of unity to stand together with the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, and do battle and overcome against the evil spiritual forces in heavenly places, Namely, Satan and his demons, who are fighting against the family, but we're fighting for the family, and so we win going away when we fight the spiritual fight together. Does that make sense to anybody? I love the book of Ephesians. It is so applicable for our topic today, dealing with sibling rivalries and doing it properly and appropriately. Now, in Ephesians uh, chapter 4, I think it's it's kind of the literary center of the letter. And in chapter 4, verse 3, it's like this is what everything hubs around, right? Keeping the unity of the Spirit through the bonds of peace. And then a few verses later in verse 12, it says one of the things that the pastors are given to the church to do is to equip the people to do the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity. Do you see that in verse 12? We all reach unity in the faith and maturity in the fullness of God. So one of the things that pastors are good for in the church is to remind the church how we are better together and, and how we are to deal in God's way according to the times of sibling rivalries and conflicts that arise from time to time, and how we are all better together and also to equip the people, facilitate the people, train the people, release the people to do the works of service for, I think, two reasons. One, No one person can do all the work in the church. And so we need a plurality of people to do a multiple of ministries to get the job done of being the people of God that God has called and created us to be and occupy in our communities until he comes back. And also, number two, I I think God says uh, he wants pastors who equip the people to do the works of service. Listen to this. Because when you're busy doing something, you have less time to focus on yourself when you're busy doing something, ministering in other people's lives, doing something productive and purposeful, you have less time to be focused on the man or woman who looks back in the mirror and less time to have those moments of insecurity, less time to have those moments of petty little jealousies, less time to have moments of sibling rivalries in the church. And so, so uh, come with me to uh, in the middle of the book of Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter four, I want to look at five do-nots that have everything to do with dealing with conflict and resolving sibling rivalries. Whether we're talking about in the family of God or in your personal family, five things God says don't do these things when you have conflict or sibling rivalry, and I think by not doing them is the way that we can resolve the conflicts and resolve the sibling rivalries, or at least not exasperate them, okay? So Ephesians chapter 4, I want to pick it up at verse 22. Am I yelling, by the way? Am I awfully loud this morning? I feel like I'm really, really pushing. I'm sorry, I'm excited to be with you. I've had like umpteen cups of coffee because I've been up since 4.30 this morning. So, okay, um, but I'll, I'll try and quiet down. You listen louder, I'll try and talk softer. Okay, here we go. Ephesians chapter 4, pick it up at verse 22. Uh, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted uh, by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. In a little bit, he's going to talk about speaking the truth in love. Truth never has to hurt. I've heard sometimes people say, well, the truth hurts. It never has to. Not if you wrap it up like a beautiful little burrito in love. You know what I'm saying? Just wrap up the truth in love, and it can taste good, okay? And burritos are good. I love burritos. Okay, here we go. So speak truthfully to your neighbor. Later on, it's going to say, wrap it up in love. For we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must not steal any longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands so that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only that which is helpful for the building up of others according to their needs, that it may be beneficial to those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Some versions might say the day of salvation. Same thing. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgive one another Just as God in Christ Jesus has forgiven you. So, five things to not do, or five things do not do when you're dealing with conflict or sibling rivalries. Number one, do not sin when you're angry. Notice it doesn't say, excuse me, it doesn't say do not get angry. And I think it doesn't say that because other places in Scripture it tells us even God gets angry. Jesus got indignant in the gospel with other people's sin or or uh, hyper spiritual religiosity with the Pharisees and everything legalism stuff like that So I I don't think I don't think it's sinful. I don't think it's wrong to get angry because even God gets angry at times And Jesus got angry and indignant at times and but notice here it says in your anger in the moments when you do get angry It says do not sin And you go, well, how do we not sin when we get angry? Uh, I I think the next four things we read play back into that. How not to sin when you get angry. Number two, do not let the sun go down while you're angry. This is a nod for Jewish people, Jewish converts to Christ. It would be a nod back to the Mosaic Law in Deuteronomy chapter 4. Uh, where, where, like Jesus echoes in Matthew chapter 18 in the New Testament, if you've got a problem with your brother and sister, you go resolve that right away. You resolve it first. You deal with the dilemma. You deal with the problem. You deal with the sibling rivalry. Nothing, um, nothing fixes itself. You don't hold a grudge. You don't let it fester like a fungus because it's just not. Time is not going to heal all wounds. Whoever said that was lying. Time does not heal all wounds. Dealing things directly with love is what can heal all wounds. I don't know about any of you, and I don't want to see a show of hands of this, but have any of you ever had athlete's foot? Don't raise your hands. Don't raise your feet, please, if you have it now. But if if you've ever had athlete's foot, or if you've ever had a fungus infection in your toes or hands or something like that, then you know that if you don't deal with it, if you keep it hidden in your socks and in your shoes, it only gets worse, right? Fungal infections don't go away on their own. They just get worse. What do you have to do? You have to deal with them with ointments, with creams, with medicines, right? Well, dealing with anger and, and conflict and, and, and sibling rivalry is the same way. If you don't deal with it, it'll, f- it'll fester like fungus over time, and it'll just get worse and worse and worse. God is saying here, here as he did in uh, Deuteronomy 24, and as Jesus said in Matthew 18, he's saying it again, just in a different way, he's saying, deal with your anger deal with the sibling rivalry deal with the conflict don't act like it's not there it's not going to go away on its own it's not going to get any better so don't do not sin when you're angry deal with your anger deal with the problem in a loving way and number 3 do not give satan a foothold now this is really interesting terminology This is actually like military terminology. When you've got a foothold, it's like you're in close uh, combat with somebody else, and you've got your feet planted so you've got balance and everything so you can't be knocked backwards or anything else like that. When I was researching the wording here, I got to thinking of D-Day. We just recently celebrated uh, the anniversary, one of the anniversaries of D-Day, of Normandy, the Normandy beaches and everything. And I got to thinking how, how the U.S. soldiers and the Canadian forces and the Brits uh, were all trying to go up the cliffs of Normandy and stuff. They were trying to get a foothold in the sand and a foothold going up the cliff so they could get up on top to overtake the Germans, who had a foothold on the top of the cliffs with those pillbox bunkers that they had built out of concrete, right? So when you see don't give Satan a foothold, that's what I want you to picture, because that's what a foothold is. It's like a concrete bunker that you need a bunker buster in order to bust it up so you don't give Satan that kind of a foothold in your anger and in your relationship, in your sibling rivalry. And notice here that this is the first place That that Paul mentions a spiritual battle It's the first place Paul mentions Satan Now the whole letter of Ephesians is going to culminate In chapter 6 when he really zeroes in And talks about Satan and everything But here in chapter 4 It's the first time he's mentioned this First time he's mentioned don't give the devil a foothold So it gets me to thinking how easily it is For Satan to get a foothold In the temporary emotion of anger within us how fast Satan get a foothold in our lives and in our relationships when we're angry, if we're not careful to not give Satan a foothold in that. And you say, how do we not do that? Don't sin when you're angry. Deal with your anger. Deal with the problem in a a godly way. Don't let it fester like fungus. And number four, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth when you're angry. Now, as soon as we say that, we think of cussing and swearing and fussing and everything like that, and that's all valid. You should not never cuss, swear, or anything else like that. God does not want unwholesome, corrupt talk coming out of uh, our mouths. But also, I think you have to be wise with your words and careful when you speak, especially when you're angry. And I think when, when, when you're, um, sometimes in counseling I'll, I'll talk to people about how to deal with conflict resolution and stuff and, and I'm not perfect at it, but I try and be mindful when I'm upset at somebody or someone's offended me or, or whatever in my life that I'm very careful with using adjectives and adverbs. In other words, don't use them. Don't use adjectives and adverbs when when you're angry or agitated. This is the worst thing in the whole world. I can't believe you did it. You're so stupid for doing this. What are you, a dummy? You know, the thing. That's like toothpaste coming out of a tube, man. You can't put those words back in the tube after you say them. That is also unwholesome talk coming out of your mouth. Man, when you're angry and you're dealing with conflict resolution and sibling rivalry, stick to the nouns and the verbs. Stay away from the adjectives and the adverbs because those are emotional expressions that come out of our emotions that exasperate the situation. They usually don't make it better. They usually make it worse. Now there's not just the original problem. There's the other problems that our argument now has caused us that we now have to deal with that too. And our words are like toothpaste. Once they're out of the tube, man, they're out of control. You can only hope the other person forgives you. You can only apologize and ask for forgiveness. You can't presume that. You can't take that for granted. And all of a sudden, what have you done? You've sinned in your anger. You've given Satan a foothold. You've unfortunately used corrupt language. And all of a sudden, now you're both fighting an uphill battle trying to deal with and resolve the sibling rivalry and, and the, um, the, the uh, conflict. So, number one, don't sin when you're angry. Number two, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Deal with it in a healthy, wholesome way. If you've got a problem with somebody, tell, tell them you've got a problem with them and w- what's going on. Deal with it to resolve it. Number three, uh, don't give Satan a foothold. By Number four, don't let unwholesome talk come out of your mouth when you're angry. And number five, in all of this, keep God in mind. God's watching. God's listening. God loves everybody. And that's why God grieves over it when we fight with each other. You know, God is our Heavenly Father, Jesus taught us and told us, and so it's very easy to understand, if you're a parent, how no parent likes it when their kids fight with each other. No parent likes the sibling rivalry thing going on in their home. Why? Because you like both kids. You know, you don't pl- choose favorites. You don't take sides. You don't love one more than the other. You love them both equally. How come we think God would be any different? God grieves over our petty jealousies and insecurities and our sibling rivalries, whether it's in the family of God or within our individual families. You see, God's no different than us. In this sense, we're no different than God. The same things we grieve over is something that God grieves over. How do I know that? Because the next thing it says to not do, it says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, whom you were sealed with for the day of redemption. What does that mean? It means God is within you. God's Holy Spirit is within you. He's within me too. He's within us. He's within every believer. And when we fight out of petty jealousies and insecurities and sibling rivalries, we cause God to grieve because we are attacking, threatening, and hurting, and chipping away at the unity that he wants us to have as a family of God and within our own individual families. You know, if the other person's feelings is not enough for you to consider when you're angry, dealing with sibling rivalry that comes out of someone's petty jealousies and someone's insecurities, if considering how your words or your attitudes, your actions might affect the other person's feelings, if the other person's feelings is not enough for you to consider to kind of hold your tongue and pull back and or whatever, consider God's feelings. He's got them too. Why do you think we have them? We have them because he has them. You can go through scripture and you can see where God was happy and God was angry you can see where Jesus talked about the, the, the fullness of his joy to be in us and our joy to be fulfilled. You can also see here where God can be grieved. I sometimes think as Christians, we don't think about that enough when we get so selfishly focused on just ourselves, our insecurities, our petty jealousies, our sibling rivalries. We forget there's a, an all-loving God who loves all of us. He loves me, he loves you. And when we're fighting, fussing, and feuding, it causes God to grieve and it causes Satan to delight because Satan loves to kill, steal, destroy and divide that which God has brought together and because God our loving heavenly father loves all of us means he loves you in your insecurities and in your imperfections he loves the person that you're a little jealous of of whatever the thing is and he loves both of you that are involved in the sibling rivalries whether it be within families, or congregational conflicts, or denominational differences and divides. I love history, and I know quite a bit of church history. I've studied it, and, and I gotta tell you, while the Protestant Reformation was really good in, in many ways, shapes, and forms, it also, the downside of it was it taught us how easy it was to divide over our small differences. Um, literally when you go just after the protestant reformation you see the church the protestant church split off into four different things Pretty quick after we split off from the catholic church, which that was the right thing to do by the way But then once you start doing something it gets easier to do it And we started dividing over little things things that not major doctrine things of preferences perspectives insecurities jealousies sibling rivalries within the church. And God grieves over all of this stuff because he, he, he realizes what we don't realize. All the damage that's done when we fight with each other instead of fighting for each other. You know, someone once said that it is more rewarding to resolve a conflict than to dissolve a relationship. And I think that's very true. As a counselor and as a pastor, I know that's very true. As a person, I also know that's very true. And you probably know that's very true as well. It's so much more rewarding when you can resolve your differences and keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace than it is to come to that point where you simply have to divide and divorce and separate and split up the family, whether we're talking individual families or the family of God. Our prayer should be, Father, help us to resolve our conflicts rather than dissolve uh, and divide over our differences. It's true that hurt people tend to hurt people in families and in churches and in countries and communities. Just watch the news. People, after a while, will lash out out of pain, uh, out of defensiveness, and out of perceptions of self preservation. You know, I'm not getting what this people group is getting, so I'm going to lash out and cause a riot and this, that, and the other thing and stuff, while Satan snickers in the shadows and on the sidelines at all of us, and while God grieves over all of us and the damage that we can do to each other. So hurt people will tend to hurt people. They'll they'll get insecure, they'll get jealous, and they'll be the ones to inflate sibling rivalries. But People who are happy, secure, and content in who they are in God, they don't hurt people. And they aren't hurt as easily by other people because they're secure in who they are and in what they have. They don't get caught up in petty jealousies, insecurities, and sibling rivalries. They avoid these things by fighting for the family instead of fighting within the family, be it a personal family, or within the family of God because these people who are safe and secure in who they are in God they know that God has given them and everyone everything that they need for life in godliness in their family in their lives and in the family of God so let's fight for our families by avoiding petty jealousies insecurities And sibling rivalries, either in our families and or in the family of God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, Lord. It is a lamp unto our feet. It is a light unto our path. And Father, help us in the times that that we are upset at things, and, and that is bound to happen from time to time. Help us, Father, that in our anger we don't sin. Help us to not let the sun go down on our anger and let things to fester like a fungus within us. Help us to not say anything out of our mouths that we're going to regret later. And in all of that, help us to not give Satan a foothold. And I have a feeling that when we grieve your Holy Spirit through the way we treat each other from time to time, we're inadvertently giving Satan a foothold because we're all in this battle together. We all are fighting for our families, not within our families. So Father, help us to be secure in ourselves, help us to be happy, help us to be content, and use us, Lord, to build one another up in love, not tear each other down. Help us to celebrate each other's victories and things and not to be jealous of one another. Help us to be secure in who we are in you, knowing that you have given us, each one of us, Everything that we need individually for life in godliness in the family of God. And we pray this in your name, Lord Jesus. And everybody said? And that's how you fight for your family. Alrighty, coming up next here at New Promise Church, uh, please turn to the slides. Let's do the video announcements.
5: Don't forget today, after the second service, is our special congregational business meeting.
3: We have one more week to turn in the bottles. We have 17 left on the table, and we are missing 50 bottles. Please return them by next Sunday. On
5: June 27th, we will be honoring our graduates. Please turn in your information and picture by June 20th to the church office email. If you have any questions, please call the church office. Pray for the Fusion Mission Trip team as they're traveling to Boston today and will be doing ministry there this week. We need volunteers for VBS June 28th through July 1st. If you can help, please see Amy Tadio or Don Petrowski today! We need volunteers for our children's church ministry for Sunday mornings during the 10.30 service. Please see Amy Taddeo if you would like to volunteer. Join us for a Hawaiian-style cookout Friday, July 2nd at 6.30 p.m. Grilled chicken and hot dog meals are available, $12 for adults and $8 for kids. There will be yard games and inflatables, fun for the entire family. Make sure you dress in your favorite Hawaiian attire for a chance to be entered into a contest for best dress. Get your tickets today! Hey girls, HER is having a mother-daughter luncheon on Sunday, July 18th. This is an event for mothers and daughters of all ages. Doors open at noon and the event will start at 1230 in the chapel. It will be a great time full of food, fun, a fashion show by Altar State, and encouraging discussion in God's word and more. Tickets are on sale now for $10. You can purchase them at the welcome counter or online at newpromisechurch.us slash her events. We have a few small groups meeting this summer like Sarah Duryea's Young Adult Small Group that meets Thursday nights at 7 p.m. in the NPC Pavilion or Cafe. Knitting for the Lamb meets every third Saturday in the Cafe at 1 p.m. And Pastor Rory and Karen's Coffee Club will meet at Buckeye Chocolates in Chardon this Wednesday night from 7 to 8 p.m. Those interested in coffee, drinks, fellowship, and fun are welcome to join them. Keep watching for video announcements and checking your email for future dates and times.
3: Don't forget, next Sunday is Father's Day. We will have a special tribute video to our fathers. Thank you for being here today. Have a great and blessed week.
6: So this Wednesday, as you heard, Roy and I are going to be at Buckeye's Chocolates in Chardon for our small group. So I hope some of you can join us. It'll be a good time. If you've never been there before, um, they have great coffee and actually great food as well. Uh, the business meeting will be starting in about 10 minutes. So that gives you time enough to go out and get a donut and a cup of coffee and then come on back in. They've assured us that it's going to be short and sweet and it's going to be a, a very positive business meeting. So that being said, let's pray before we leave. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for families. Thank you for an awesome word, Lord, on the gift of families, Lord. So, Lord, I pray for each one of our families that are here today that you would just continue to move in them. Would your love abound? Would your forgiveness abound in our homes, Lord? Would your peace be in our homes? For the fruits of the Spirit, Lord, be evident in each one of our homes. What an impact we can make on the community around us. So, Lord, I just pray your double portion. I pray your blessings on each one of our families and what a great impact we can make, Lord Jesus. And I just pray that you'd be with us in a just an awesome way, Lord. Would you be with each one of us as we go our separate ways today after our meeting? I pray you be with us in our workplaces, in our schools, wherever we are, Lord Jesus. I just ask that you lead and direct us and have your hand upon each one of us. And I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for being here. Have an awesome week.